You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A devastating update from Vancouver Police today related to a shooting over the weekend. Three people were shot. The two most seriously injured have died, including an innocent teenager. Our reporter Grace Key joins us now from Broadway, where it all unfolded on Saturday. Grace, that teen tragically hit by a stray bullet. Yeah, just 15 years old. He was a member of Coquitlam Christ Church of China. We are told that he attended Sunday school and his parents came here for a better life. Saturday night's gun battle in Vancouver has now claimed the lives of two people. The target for the shooting, 23-year-old Kevin Whiteside, died overnight. And a 15-year-old boy, an innocent bystander, has also lost his life. Vancouver Police Chief Adam Palmer had this to say to the boy's family. My message to the family is this. We will not ever be able to fully comprehend your grief, but the Vancouver Police Department will do whatever it takes to seek justice for your son. The teen was in a car with his parents when the shooting broke out. According to a family friend, they had dinner and were heading back home to Coquitlam when a stray bullet went through the car hitting the 15-year-old. The bullet went through the car door and went into his heart where it then ricocheted off a rib and then punctured his lung and his kidney. He's a family friend. My mother teaches in Sunday school. He's a good boy. They came to Canada for a better life and ended up losing their son. It all happened just after 9.15 Saturday evening on Broadway near Ontario. Whiteside, the intended target in the shooting, is known to police. He collapsed on the sidewalk in front of stunned onlookers. I heard six shots, uh, ran outside. I see a, a, a dark-skinned male on the ground. There's a, a, a pistol, a revolver, uh, right next to his chest. He's breathing still. He's just choking on his own blood. You see blood on the side of his head. A stray bullet also grazed a man across the face while he was in a car traveling along Broadway. The bullet ended up in the headrest where he was sitting. He was treated at the scene. At least one gunman is still on the loose, and it's unclear which person fired the fatal shot that killed the young teen. Grace Broadway, a really busy area. We saw a lot of stores in that area mm -hmm. in your story. Do we know if police have any surveillance video? Yeah, we did notice police going door to door today, uh, asking the businesses whether or not they had any video. So that is certainly something that they are trying to get a hold of. And they did uh, put out an appeal again today for any witnesses, people with possibly dash cams as well. If you think you saw anything or recorded anything again Saturday here at Broadway in Ontario, uh, just after 9.15 in the evening that you're asked to call Vancouver police. Sophie? Grace Key reporting on Broadway. Grace, thank you. And the premier just releasing this statement on the tragedy. John Horgan saying, quote, it is a terrible tragedy for an innocent boy to be caught up in this violence. Our hearts go out to his family and friends. He goes on to say this violence is unacceptable. Vancouver police are getting all necessary support from the province through the anti-gang unit CFSCU BC. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team announcing three men have been arrested and charged in connection with a murder last April. The body of 20-year-old Michael Bonin of Rycroft, Alberta, was found on a rural Forest Service road north of Hope on April 20th. Over the weekend, IHIT and its partner agencies arrested 26-year-old Ryan Watt of Vancouver, 20-year-old Joshua Florent of Prince George, 
and 27-year-old Jared Jorgensen of Dawson Creek. All the parties involved knew each other to varying degrees. The ind individuals involved in this investigation, they are known to police. Uh, some of them do have... All three men have been charged with first-degree murder. The convictions of a B.C. couple accused of terrorism were thrown out of court, but Crown is going ahead with an appeal of the decision. Two years ago, a judge found the RCMP influenced John Nuttall and Amanda Carotti's plot to bomb the legislature on Canada Day of 2013. Our Tanya Beja has more on the proceedings which began today. Tanya, what did we learn about the Crown's argument today? Well, Sophie, Crown lawyers believe that Supreme Court Justice Catherine Bruce made several factual errors in her decision to overturn the convictions. The Crown is arguing that Nettle and Karodi acted on their own initiative to plot the attack. They say the pair thought about and analyzed all of the details, including the timing and location of the proposed attack. They say they had multiple opportunities to back out but didn't. And the Crown is arguing that there is nothing in the evidence to suggest that Nettle and Karodi were robbed of their free will. Now, earlier, Justice Bruce had ruled the pair were victims of police entrapment, that they had been uh, manipulated and exploited because of some of, the, some of their uh, vulnerabilities. The pair uh, were not in court today, but a friend spoke to reporters. He said that uh, they were afraid, that they did feel pressure, and that they could never have come up with this plot were it not for the actions of undercover police officers who were posing as terrorists. They're very upset. They want their lives to go on. Um, their faith is very strong. And um, they just want this to end so they can be free. I know they do not have the capacity to carry out this. They were kind of egged on, you know. They were told, come up with a plan, come up with a plan. As Poppet said, they did. They do want this episode behind them. They're hoping it will be over soon. The hearing is expected to last three days. Sophie and Chris, back to you. Tanya Beja reporting for us. Tanya, thank you. Frightening moments at Abbotsford Seven Oaks Mall today. Around 12.30 this afternoon, police began receiving calls about a woman who was threatening to stab people. When officers arrived, witnesses directed them to the food court area where they found the suspect stabbing a mall patron. The suspect is a female. She's 36 years old. We have limited details. This investigation is in the preliminary stages. However, she is not known to police and she is not known from the Abbotsford area. Global News has learned the suspect is known to police in Alberta. The victim, a 71-year-old man, remains in hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. A court appearance today for a man who so far has not lived up to a promise to donate millions of dollars to a junior B hockey team. Mike Gould arrived at the Cranbrook Courthouse this morning charged with fraud and forgery. Gould is accusing of using insufficient checks to pay an $8,000 restaurant bill that was run up, or rung up as he celebrated his announcement to donate $7.5 million to the Kimberly Dynamiters Hockey Club. The bill has since been paid. However, the hockey club is still waiting for its promised donation. Gould is due back in court on February 13th. Some big players are in town ahead of talks in Vancouver tomorrow on North Korea and the potential threat from its nuclear weapons program. Paul Johnson has more on who's coming and what they're hoping to get out of this meeting. Here's the short list of who's in Vancouver tonight. U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, U.S. Defense Secretary James Mattis, 
UK Foreign Minister Boris Johnson, their hostess, Foreign Minister Christia Freeland, and a supporting cast of officials from 17 other countries. Got your attention? Hope is to make an impression on this man, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, with a credible incentive to walk back his nuclear weapons program. The so-called Vancouver Group will spend most of tomorrow down at the Trade and Convention Center planning next steps in the crisis. The situation on the Korean Peninsula now... At a meeting of Korea watchers at UBC today, experts say Canada, while not previously involved at high levels, may have something to offer because of its reputation as an honest broker. We're hoping this is a chance for a balanced Canadian approach on this issue rather than simply walking on the one leg of sanctions. So what's likely to come out of the Vancouver summit? A lot of observers say manage your expectations because if they're hoping to dial up the sanctions on North Korea, the country with its hand on that dial is China. And they're not even here. Unlike previous summits that have shut down much of the city because of security, this one has a much smaller footprint, mostly just the convention center's west building. In fact, today, many didn't even know it was going on. North Korea summit? Yeah. I didn't know they were having a summit. Things start tonight with a dinner for participants. Media not invited. Paul Johnson, Global News. RCMP need your help finding 18-year-old Satchdeep Dute, last seen in the Newton area of Surrey on January 9th. Investigators believe he may be driving a four-door blue 2004 Pontiac Sunfire, like the one pictured here. License plate FE984R. If you have any information, you're asked to call Surrey RCMP. A warning about the dangers of another new so-called health trend. It's called raw water, otherwise known as spring water. And while it may not sound all that bad on the surface, as Aaron MacArthur reports, there's a very good reason why experts say we're supposed to be drinking treated tap water. I've been drinking this for a long time, man. There are no shortage of people filling up bottles and jugs, even mason jars, from a puddle along the road in Lynn Headwaters Park. Despite the warning signs, for some people, this is their drinking water. People seeking out a source that isn't treated. Just from reading up on like how good a spring is and the minerals and everything that's still alive, and um, I just prefer going with that. Raw water has become a bit of a food trend recently. In the U.S., companies are bottling untreated water and selling it online. It's an industry that is unregulated and comes with a host of potential health risks. From E. coli to Girardia and Cryptosporidium, health experts say treated water, the single biggest advancement to public health in the 20th century. At the turn of the century, there were lots and lots of cases of typhoid fever and cholera here in Vancouver and across North America. Now we don't see any typhoid fever or cholera, and it can be attributed to the chlorination of our water supplies. Metro Vancouver's water filtration system is state-of-the-art. The water in the Campolano and Seymour reservoirs is chlorinated and UV-filtered and undergoes rigorous testing. The chair of Metro Vancouver's Utility Committee wonders why so many people are so willing to put their health at risk. This is one of the most stressful parts of my job, is telling people drinking tap water here in Metro Vancouver is one of the safest things you can do. One of the most unsafe things you can do is drinking water that has been treated, that comes straight out of the ground. Lynn Valley is perhaps the best known, but there are plenty of springs and wells around Metro Vancouver where people can find untreated water. For the people who come to Lynn Valley every week to fill their jugs, 
there is no amount of scientific reasoning that will change their minds. It's a great day to catch water. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. <laughs> Stanley Park's new brew pub is already under construction, but that's not stopping opponents from trying to shut it down. As Linda Aylesworth reports, they're claiming the new business could harm one of the park's biggest natural attractions. The treetops are quiet now, the giant nests empty, but it's hoped that in a month or two, hundreds of great blue herons will return to Stanley Park, transforming it into this, one of the largest heron colonies in Western Canada. For the last 10 years, every year, every spring, we wonder, is this the year that they will come back, flourish, start to wane off? In the last few years, we've seen fewer nests being occupied. That these shy birds chose this site nearly 17 years ago, on the edge of Vancouver's busy West End, makes it and them unique. Biology instructor Maria Moreland has been observing them from her nearby condo for years. Herons are an at-risk species. They're vulnerable, but they're on the brink of being endangered. She's concerned that a new nearby tenant, the Stanley Park Brewing Company, whose owners are currently renovating the old Fish House restaurant, might cause the birds distress. The concern with a pub is that it will add another two to three hours of people traffic, and no pubs are quiet. But the Stanley Park Brewing Company's general manager says the establishment will not be a pub. We are a restaurant first um, with a small uh, uh, craft brewery where we'll produce limited runs uh, of beer to service the restaurant. And he says staff will be positioned outside to monitor the behavior of departing guests. And we'll participate in any way necessary to protect the wildlife in the area around the building. As for concerns on the part of the Stanley Park Ecology Society, which has long looked after the heron's welfare. At this point, we don't have a reason to have excess concern about this stakeholder coming in and picking up on a similar basis to the previous tenant. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The shocking and unexpected closure of a well-known driving school has dozens of students reeling. Our Consumer Matters reporter Andrea has the details on what students who've been hit by this roadblock mm -hmm. should do. A lot of students looking for answers tonight. Thanks, you too. Best Way Driver Training in Coquitlam closed up shop at the end of December without notice. ICBC says the school was accredited and was in very good standing for three decades, but dozens of students who paid for lessons are impacted. And whether they'll be 100% reimbursed is still unknown. Driver training vehicles are parked at Bestway Driver Training in Coquitlam after the company boasting 30 years of business closed shop without notice at the end of December. For a school of this size to close certainly took us by surprise. ICBC now reaching out to students, well over 100 so far, saying it's doing what it can to address student concerns and find them driver training. If they were unable to uh, make that road test anymore, we've waived that cancellation fee for customers too. The corporation says it has no explanation why the company closed and says it has had challenges reaching the company. We managed to reach Leo Baker, listed as the director of Bestway Driver Training by phone. I'm trying to find out some answers as to why Bestway Driving closed. Oh, uh, no business. Why do you want information from me? Because you're the director. Yeah. It's your business. Yeah, well... What do you have to say to the to the many people who have signed up for your company and now they're out, hundreds of dollars? No, they're not. They're it, not? They're, no, they're all insured. 
That's not necessarily true. ICBC says a bond, which is required under the Motor Vehicle Act, provided by Bestway Driver Training, will be used to assist students who prepaid for services. But it's no guarantee students will be 100% reimbursed. This bond is in place to protect customers. Our hope is that no one will be out of pocket, but until we've seen the number of students and the money owed by Bestway, it's impossible for us to say at this time. ICBC is advising students to contact their financial institution or credit card company first to see if charges can be reversed. The service is, is not something you receive. It's, it's, it's a promise to get that service at a later date. So that, that sort of becomes the issue. But uh, again, it, it comes down to uh, whether or not the, the credit card service provider has some consumer protection uh, in, in, in their terms and conditions. That would be taken on as a case-by-case -case basis. If you are a student who has been impacted, ICBC says it wants to hear from you and says it will try to help students find an equivalent program. We've also been told some other driver training schools are stepping in to help. One school says it's not charging students for driving lessons, but it's hoping for some sort of recovery later through the bond best way posted to ICBC. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Security footage from Indonesia shows the moment a mezzanine floor inside the Jakarta Stock Exchange collapses. More than 70 people were hurt. Most of the injured were students who were visiting the stock exchange at the time. The collapse sparked a chaotic evacuation, but authorities have now ruled out a terror attack. A troubling follow-up now to a story out of Toronto, to a story that made, uh, it was a story that made national headlines last week. A young Toronto girl claimed a man cut her hijab with scissors while she walked to school. Now, police say it never happened. On Friday, a seemingly frightened little girl recounted events alleged to have happened on her walk to school. Allegations now shockingly proven false by Toronto police. He didn't want to say anything to the public, anybody who may be wondering why. We are very stressed right now. We went to the family's apartment. An individual who identified herself as Saima Samad, the little girl's mother, didn't want to appear on camera and refused to open the door. Has it just been really hard right now dealing with all of this? Yes, um, it is hard. Um, but right now, please, like, I, I don't want give out any statements or anything out there in the media. Toronto police released a suspect description to the public for a man they now say never existed. We looked through video, we had interviews, we collected a wide uh, variety of evidence. And this isn't a step that we would take lightly. We had to be absolutely confident that the evidence that we gathered supported that conclusion. The Prime Minister, Ontario's Premier and Toronto's Mayor quickly chimed in their initial condemnation Friday. On Monday, Kathleen Wynne issued a statement thanking police for their work, expressing relief the assault didn't happen. <laughs> you can go out in the media and say something so seriously happened and then, then the police just said, oh, well, nothing's happening. Okay, good luck, go home, let's forget about this. I mean, like, you, you kind of have to be responsible for what you're saying, especially when it is such a serious allegation. I think it's important to remember that it's unlikely that this young child uh, was aware of her actions uh, or indeed the implications of it. Um, and what it might have, on, implications it might have on actual victims of uh, hate crimes and hate incidents uh, motivated by Islamophobia or any form of xenophobia. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. Casino patrons in Florida were forced to jump into frigid waters to escape a fast-moving inferno on a shuttle boat. Coming as fast as we can, oh my God. 
boat was shuttling passengers to a casino ship when fire broke out in the engine room. The flames spreading and fully engulfing the ship within seconds. The captain quickly returned to shore and grounded the boat. Officials say that likely saved lives because it allowed people to abandon ship into shallow water. Still, one person was killed and more than a dozen were injured. All that's left of the boat is a charred hull. The Coast Guard is now investigating. Caught on a firefighter's helmet cam in Georgia, the moment a father throws his child to a firefighter from a ladder. Several children and babies were thrown down to firefighters as the building burned. Amazingly, no one died, but at least 12 people were hurt. Chinese authorities are racing to clean up a massive oil spill after an Iranian tanker sank in the East China Sea. The ship went down yesterday, a week after it was set ablaze by a collision with another vessel. It was carrying the equivalent of a million barrels of crude oil. Chinese ships are trying to contain an estimated 120 square kilometer slick. The ship's crew of 32 are all believed to have died. And more fallout tonight from the monumental mistake that sent more than a million Hawaiian residents and tourists into a state of panic. Tonight, the state is promising to make sure a false alarm warning of pending nuclear disaster never happens again. It was 38 minutes of unimaginable chaos in Hawaii. This is not a drill. Hours before the false alarm sounded with a warning of an inbound missile, we had exclusive access to the bunker where it was sent from. Let me take you to where the, uh, the show starts. What do you mean? This is where the, uh, the call comes in that notifies us of a ballistic missile launch. These men are two of ten Hawaii State warning officers tasked with sounding the alarm in the event of an imminent attack. David Hafner of Hawaii Emergency Management showed us how the system is supposed to work. They'll receive a call from the Pacific Command that comes in and uh, they'll make a decision to activate the statewide siren system. Where's the phone? It's right here behind us. This is a... Uh, this one right here? Yep. This is a uh, encrypted secure phone to the Pacific Command. The call to that phone from the U.S. military's Pacific Command never came. Instead, the alert was sent out in error, turning Hawaii upside down. Residents, many of whom have been preparing for a potential nuclear strike because of fiery rhetoric between President Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, put their emergency plan into motion. We ran and I was totally freaking out. The Durkin family fled into a World War II bunker in their home. Started throwing things down into the, into the bomb shelter and we closed the top and then we got on our phones and looked for updates. The state's taken the blame, suspending tests of the system and reassigning the person who pushed the button. That hasn't soothed rattled nerves here. I sent a message to my grandkids at home, and it just it made me realize, my God, I could have never seen them again. I was sick to my stomach for at least two hours afterwards. I was shaking, and it was just it was scary, very scary. Now the focus turns to rebuilding the trust of Hawaiians and tourists, many of whom on Saturday were terrified they were living out their final minutes. Americans took to the streets today to honor a civil rights legend. Thousands marched to commemorate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Activists and teachers, among those who honored the late civil rights leader on what would have been his 89th birthday and ahead of the 50th anniversary of his assassination in Memphis. Donald Trump's recent comments about African nations, like Haiti, figuring heavily in many speeches.
The fallout over Donald Trump's reported use of an expletive to describe countries like Haiti has made its way to B.C. As Nitu Garcha reports, local volunteers who visit the country are worried about a backlash against foreigners. Well, these pictures really show why we go back. A picture tells a thousand words, but as Bruce Brown sifts through images from his time volunteering in Haiti... Four-year-old boy who lost his left leg, part of his right foot in the earthquake. It hasn't slowed him down at all. He's happy and helpful. And There's one word Donald Trump reportedly used to describe that country that has Brown on edge as he prepares for another trip in April. We're going in with our eyes wide open. During a White House meeting Thursday, the U.S. president made disparaging remarks about Haiti, El Salvador and African nations. My reaction was, was probably the same as millions of other people. I was shocked and disappointed and yeah, it's almost beyond Word. Trump has denied making those comments, but now Brown and his team are worried volunteers are at risk of being met with hostility when they return to what's known as the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. Well, people are already struggling. It just it fuels the fire. And we need to be giving people a sense of hope, not to discredit them or you know to make those type of comments. Since the devastating 2010 earthquake, the Vancouver Island-based team has visited Haiti more than a dozen times. We were able to take the kids to the beach. The group, which includes Rotarians, retired firefighters and police officers, has raised more than $300,000 to help a Port-au-Prince orphanage grow and become self-sufficient. Well, that's what we want to continue to do when we go there. There's hopes of building a large garden uh, that they can grow veg their own vegetables. Brown can hardly wait to go back, but he says volunteers will prominently wear Canadian flags on their next trip. These kids are amazing. They have so much to deal with yet they are loving and helpful and kind to each other, which I think is the message that we really want to try to send when we're down there, contrary to, uh, to somebody else. Neetu Garcha, Global News. A shocking sudden death in the music industry today. Such a distinctive voice. Cranberry's lead singer Dolores O'Riordan died at the age of 46. Her publicist says she passed away suddenly in London, where she was recording. The cause of death is unknown. The Cranberries sold more than 40 million records in the 90s and early 2000s. In Health Matters tonight, tennis superstar Serena Williams is thanking her Facebook followers for sharing their stories after she opened up about her childbirth complications. In a cover story for Vogue, Williams revealed her daughter Olympia was born by emergency C-section after the little one's heart rate dropped during contractions. That was followed by complications for Williams herself, including blood clots and a hematoma that left her bedridden for her first six weeks as a new mother. Williams says every new mother deserves the same chance she had to survive and thrive. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, by now you've probably seen these pictures of a car after it slammed into the second floor of a building. Now we have the security camera video to show you how it happened. That's coming up right after the forecast with Christy. 
And if you think that was unbelievable, what you only see <laughs> yeah. the footage from before that. Really. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now. Fog, the big story. Christy? Yes, it was across the lower mainland, of course, through the weekend. Today was beautiful, nice clearing, and it was mild. It was almost spring-like today, wasn't it? But the concern really is through the interior regions, the Coquihalla right now, pea soup, as you can see here. And it's not just the Coquihalla we're concerned about. So a travel advisory I've issued for uh, the Coquihalla, Okanagan Connector, Highway 3, Hope Princeton, as well as Highway 1 from Hope all the way to about Salmon Arm. Dense fog, but also the risk of freezing rain. So this is tonight and through the morning hours tomorrow. Avoid these routes if possible. Tomorrow afternoon, conditions will improve significantly. Now, the fog is really because of the high pressure. It traps that moisture down below, and that is finally shifting off to the east. We are seeing milder air push in. We've experienced that here across the south coast, and that will be the case across much of the province. Now, this first system here, not a lot of moisture in it. It will mainly affect the south coast, but it's enough to bring in a slight chance of showers right across the province along with a risk of freezing rain. So that's the main story that I'll show you in a second. I'll show you where and when uh, in a second. But this next system here also going to affect the coastal region. So two systems and we will see heavier rain, I think, on Wednesday. So this is the risk of freezing rain tonight and tomorrow morning. All along inland regions of the north and central coast, extending down into areas like Whistler. Of course, we talked about the Coquihalla, Allison Pass. That extends all the way through the southern interior regions as well. Also freezing drizzle in through the BC Peace River area. Now, tomorrow afternoon, though, everything shifts. So things ease off for coastal regions, but we start to see the risk of freezing rain in through the central interior, the Caribou, and the Columbia and Kootenai regions. So watch for that. It is one of the most dangerous uh, situations that we can have on the roads or even the sidewalks. People can injure themselves with that risk of freezing rain. So there's your forecast. Coastal regions, periods of rain, snow inland, and you can see Prince George no precipitation. It's just a slight risk of freezing rain if you do see an isolated shower. But all of these areas, certainly the possibility of either rain or snow, depending on your elevation and the time of day, but also that risk of freezing rain. South Coast, we're talking about rain. It is going to be mild once again. Expected to be mild for the next couple of days along with the rain and wind over the next few, cooling off a little bit as we head into the weekend. Happy birthday to Jenny Smith turning 100 today. And this photo from one of Chris's buddies. Ryan sent us this from over the weekend when the fog was starting to clear and the sun reflecting off of the wall center and it just creates this beautiful reflection through the fog. Amazing mm -hmm. shot. I saw that on Instagram at Ryan's Nickfolds if you want to check out Ryan's <laughs> He's a good guy. Well good done, Ryan. That's right. Uh, well, the pictures were everywhere over the weekend. A car lodged in the second floor of a California dental office and tonight... You can watch it happen. Take a look. Security video shows the car hit a median, go airborne, and smash into the building. It also shows how much worse it could have been. The car crosses both lanes just seconds after another car passes by and seconds before it would have smashed right into the side of a passing bus. Amazingly, the two people in the car escaped serious injuries. The driver will probably be charged with driving under the influence. Well, a group of explorers has made a remarkable discovery near Fernie, the deepest cave in Canada. The explorers based out of Calgary used helmets, headlamps, and even scuba gear in a cave called Bizarro Anima, named after the Mount Bizarro Plateau near Fernie. So far, they've been down 670 meters. 
and say they still haven't reached the bottom. The cave was first discovered in 2012, but it wasn't until this latest expedition that they realized just how deep it is. One of the explorers dove into frigid waters to get to the record depth, but had to come up before reaching the bottom because she nearly ran out of air. You are camping in two to four degrees Celsius. You're camping in a refrigerator for seven days, no light and 100% humidity. Um, so just staying warm, not getting wet is, is a, a big obstacle. So to put it in perspective, the depth of this cave is so far is more than 100 meters deeper than the CN Tower is tall. The group says based on its research, it could be a thousand meters deep. They plan to try to get to the bottom of it, so to speak, this <laughs> summer. That is hard camping. Hard, hard conditions to be camping in. That looks sure. like a grand total of no fun. Okay, so the, you know, you know who scored the winning goal for the Canucks yesterday, don't you? Brandon, Brandon Sutter. Sutter. Oh, that's so good. We really rehearsed good. that a lot. Well, well thank you for joining us. It used to be indoctrinated into the ways of lens and shutter. Used to be a two-sub. Now we have a trio. Actually, yeah. from a duo to a trio. Take the show on the road. And yeah, <laughs> and you need to know the lens and shutter commercial to understand whatever we were doing. Um, if you want Brandon Sutter to score a goal, it is best to give him a lot of time off. He scored the winner, as you just saw, celebrate last night against Minnesota. That was after being out since November. He also scored a goal on opening night, which means he did it after being off all summer. And two years ago, he scored a goal in his first game back after missing over two months with an injury. So give him time off, he scores a goal. This was the overtime winner last night against Minnesota, and it was a nice goal. Not always a big-time score. I think 21 is the most he's ever gotten in one year, but helped the Canucks win their second straight on the road. Now they don't have to play until the weekend against Edmonton and Winnipeg, also road games. Now, in case you're wondering, the Canucks winning that game in overtime yesterday cannot be classified as the Minnesota Miracle because the Minnesota Miracle was across town where the Vikings beat the Saints with a touchdown that happened on a play that was not designed to be a touchdown pass. It was really meant to get the Vikings in field goal range so they could kick a field goal to win it. But a rookie mistake by Marcus Williams, who became the uh, latest Twitter pinata because of it, changed everything. It should not have ended this way. Marcus Williams was in the perfect position to tackle Stefan Diggs inbounds, which essentially would have ended the game. But instead of a traditional tackle using his arms, he tried to take Diggs' legs out, and he flat out whiffed. Now, it's a mistake a lot of players make. A lot of players don't go for traditional tackles sometimes. They want to blow a guy up. But because this lost the playoff game, it'll never be forgotten. And the lesson of this mistake also should never be forgotten by Marcus Williams. You just got to, at that point, you know, I just got to make the tackle when he comes down. Uh, you know, it's just those little things that you, that you see and you got to make sure you, you do all that you can to get him down. I mean, it, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it upon myself to do all that I can to never let that happen again. And, I mean, if it happens again, then I shouldn't be playing. 
SFU is a new football coach. His name is Thomas Ford, and he takes over a team that's on a 33-game losing streak. The last time SFU won a football game was October of 2014. But in his first meeting this afternoon with his players, Ford told them the past no longer matters. Guys, one thing I'm going to remind you guys. If you spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror, you will crash 100% of the time. So from this meeting forward, I don't want to hear anything about last year or two years ago or my freshman year because that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. That means nothing. The only thing that matters now is the work you're willing to put in. You know what, he's got a combination of NCAA experience, his winning attitude, and his solid leadership skills that, that came loud and clear, A, in his resume, but also in how he presented himself. He's the right guy. He's the right guy, the right fit for our program, what we need right now. Is this the right guy for the BC Lions? They made a trade today with Montreal. Brandon Rutley is now one of the Lions running backs, picked up for future consideration. Spent the last four years as a member of the Alouettes. 35 career regular season games, four touchdowns, 1,243 yards rushing. Might mean the end of Chris Rainey. All right, quarterback Kevin Glenn signed with the Edmonton Eskimos today. That means he has now been a member of every team in the CFL at some point during his career. We should say, though, he was with Toronto and Ottawa for a short while, never played for them, but still, his name has been on every roster at one time. All right, Martin Luther King Day down south, so games in the daytime that included Boston and Dallas. Even Johns, this is a nice wrist shot, scores. Dallas had the 2-0 lead. Boston would come back to tie it. I'll show you their first goal because it's Zdeno Cherry. You don't give him this much time, the man with the big hockey stick. 2-1, it was 2-2, delayed penalty in overtime, watch Tyler Sagan go to work. Yeah, go around that guy, and I'm going to go around that guy, and I'm going to wait it out, and they're going to score. 3-2. Dallas Stars win. Raptors, Kyle Lowry back from the sore tailbone. He suffered a few games ago against Philadelphia. Joel Embiid, 34 points. Lowry, his tailbone's feeling better, but his shot wasn't. 3 of 16 from the field, and this also not good for the Raptors. Fred Van Vliet, one of their good reserve guys, goes down with a knee injury. Raptors lose it 117-111. There you go. Don't like seeing that. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes seeing that. All right, thanks, Squire. Thank you, Sangita. One of the world's most impressive car auctions is getting underway in Arizona, and one of the collector vehicles being offered up is unlike any other. Yeah, it looks weird, doesn't it? It's the world's fastest log car, conceived and built by the Timber King guys from Williams Lake, who know a lot about building log homes, and now apparently electric dragsters too. Jeff Hastings reports. The evolution of the Canadian log, from forest to fairground to the world's fastest tree. And if a tree hurtles down a racetrack at 90 kilometers an hour, does it make a sound? Yeah. What, what is it like driving a log at 90 kilometers an hour? Yup, it's crazy. It's like crazy. The Cedar Rocket was born in wintry Williams Lake, B.C., a long way from sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, where it became legend, officially entering the record books as the world's fastest motorized log. It's a major departure for Pioneer Log Homes of HGTV's Timber King's fame. 
Usually what we build goes down the road on a truck, not on its own wheel. Part Mazda RX-8, part Western Red Cedar with twin 20-horsepower turbines and a fully electric powertrain, it's a source of pride in its interior hometown. Brian Reed Sr., he, he does incredible things. When he does them, he does them big, he does them bold, and he does them right. The Cedar Rocket is one of the stars of the show for sale at the Bear Jackson Car Auction in Arizona. The crazy thing about it, it puts a smile on everybody's face. It doesn't matter if it's a 92-year-old veteran or a 2-year-old child, it's a male or female. It just, everybody loves it. it you know, it's a, it's a creation of Mother Nature. Proceeds of the sale on Friday hope to be six or seven figures will benefit veterans groups, including the Royal Canadian Legion. Jeff Hastings, Global News.